0: Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller, and this is my podcast about design criticism and practice. On this week's episode, I have a really thoughtful and interesting conversation with one of my favorite architecture writers, Keller Easterling. Keller is an architect, a writer, and a professor at Yale University. She's written about architecture and urbanism and infrastructure and building for a variety of publications, and her most recent book is called Extra Statecraft: The Power of Infrastructure Space, and it's just so, so good, uh, and I can't recommend it enough, this is sort of a different conversation than usual. Early in, uh, in my interview, Keller mentioned how she didn't really like studying architecture and then didn't like practicing it. And if she's honest, she feels like she's trying to move away from architecture. And this obviously, completely caught me off guard and I think really shaped the rest of the conversation, which became this sort of meandering, therapeutic and kind of introspective, quiet conversation on practice and craft and imposter syndrome. As we sat in her living room above Union Square over a cup of tea with the windows opened and the birds chirping outside, it really felt more like a, a friendly conversation than an interview. We also talk about her early education in theater and how that has influenced both her thinking around architecture and her teaching. We talk about um, her slow transition to academia and the types of writing that she's trying to do more of right now. Keller is a really interesting person and just one of my favorite thinkers. And I was really honored to have her on the show, especially... uh, to catch her in this time of transition, which I think made for a more reflective conversation than usual. Remember, if you're a fan of the podcast and want to help support it, you can become a member for $5 a month or $50 a year to receive an exclusive monthly newsletter with additional content and episode previews. Memberships really help keep the podcast going. I just really appreciate all of your support and hope that you enjoy this conversation with Keller Easterling. talk to you for a while, and I've been thinking about you and your work in preparing for this conversation, and I realized that you are somebody, like a lot of the designers and architects that I've talked to, that I was introduced to you through your writing. And so I'm, I am I kind of want to start there, actually, And because you studied architecture, uh, and you are an architect. I'm interested in where writing, how you started writing, or where where your interest in writing came from.
1: Well, I was studying theater before I was studying architecture, so uh, as a performer and a director and then also a writer, so writing is really the thing that's been mostly a constant, uh, so the architecture was something that I'm sure this is going to be something that will uh, be Thing I do, or will it be something that, that pays the bills, or will I somehow work my way through an academic, um, you know, position in which writing will come back? Yeah.
0: Um, Where'd the architecture come in, then? Or, or wh- when did you switch from theater to architecture?
1: Uh, pretty haphazardly. Okay. Um, I. I, I mean, it's a terrible thing to say, but I I was in Princeton and. Theater and this, you, know, you had to pick a major, yeah. And the school that had you know its lights on when I got out of rehearsal, <laughs> <laughs> right? The school architecture, yeah, they looked cool. They were handsome men. It was, I don't know, they looked like it was an interesting thing to do. It was the only, besides engineering, the only graduate school there, so it was kind of like a yeah. more sophisticated group of people.
0: And so, did you have any? It is, it's, this is so interesting to me. Uh, did you have any conception of what architecture was when you kind of made that switch, or what was that like kind of first introduction like when you got into that?
1: It it seemed like it was a compromise because I had gone to school thinking that I would do medicine. You know, some kind like of oh. crazy dream. You know, that I would do medicine. That I would. And I think that was also kind of theatrical. You know, right, I imagined right. myself. You know. Sort of, you know, pressing my hands to foreheads sort of, you know, needy people or something. That's some kind of crazy thing. Yeah. So I guess the architecture was a um, like another profession, artful profession. Mm-hmm, so I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this will be fashion, but it'll
0: be closer to the arts. And it's interesting though too because. Um, you know, I mentioned Jessica Helfand before we started recording, and she also has a background in theater. And before she started practicing graphic design, she studied graphic design. But one of her first jobs was writing for a sitcom, and she's talked about how writing, uh, you know, basically screenplays or dialogue, has influenced how she thinks about design. And I also think about Bram Coolhouse and his background in, um, you know, kind of screenwriting and. uh, It's interesting that there are these kind of connections. Did you see connections between theater and and architecture?
1: I didn't until later um, when I was teaching, trying to figure out what it is that I really think about architecture. Um, And I'm sure you see this too when you're teaching. You kind of maybe remember some of your training, but you kind of come back to a moment of, being an autodidact and really asking yourself, what can I, with a straight face, actually yeah. say? Yeah. And I think I have been, in some ways, transferring a training in theater to architecture because it was a training that I most admired and mm. felt most right. Um, so um, <clears throat> I think that's really all I've been doing. Um,
0: so so when you when you graduated did you want to be an architect? Did you want to build buildings? What were your aspirations at that time?
1: I didn't want to be an architect. And, uh, <laughs> I, I was wanting to still see if I could do theater and do both of them.
0: Oh, interesting. Here in
1: New York and did that for quite a long time um, until uh, you know, kind of personal things or whatever in life intervened <laughs> yeah, in yeah. some way. And then as, I, as my job had was becoming an academic job, then my, it my writing and creative time was largely taken up with those sorts of books, and right. um, and I was also trying to write those books in a way that satisfied some of the same energy. Uh, writing, but I still do the other writing. Yeah, um, and I'm trying to kind of like now rebalance, sort of fade architecture out and bring the other writing.
0: Oh, I want to come back to that, because that's something, as I was, again, thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about, that was something that I was kind of noticing in the trajectory of of your writing, but, um, so did you, you know, when you graduated and you kind of were were doing these kind of multiple things, were you working as an architect at the time also? Yeah. Okay.
1: In, In offices of different sorts.
0: Okay. And while you were doing that, you were also teaching and kind of building an academic career also?
1: Yes. Uh, so once I got one or two little academic jobs and I left the office okay. and I kind of scraped together. Um, yeah. Well, I'm sure, yeah. you know Yep, the this way sounds which familiar. This happens in New York where you can get, you know, teach up down in the morning, teach yep. downtown in the
0: afternoon. Yep. Um, yeah, I know exactly that uh, what you're talking about. Um, was that was was academia something that you were always interested in? Was that a, uh, uh, I don't want to say ambition, but was that an interest of yours to? No.
1: So how'd it that just, happen? It just, it was just a way, it was an escape route out of the office. Okay. Um, and I had been doing some independent research projects and so that, that, it, the independent research projects were, um, a credential that could get me into something else and out of the
0: this is really interesting to me, and I promise this whole interview isn't just going to be about your background, but the way you're talking about that reminds me of my own kind of trajectory that, uh, you know, I got into graphic design is the only thing I really ever wanted to do, and it's still the core of all of my interests, but then after finishing my undergraduate degree and working as a as a designer, you know, kind of entry level, which uh, is nowhere near as grueling as a entry-level architect, I imagine, but kind of realizing that it wasn't everything that I thought it was going to be or it didn't fulfill all the interests like I thought it would. And so a lot of my career and and especially my decision to go to grad school was how, how do I find a way to bring all of those other things into the practice itself? Uh, did, was that something that was this is a weird way to ask that question, but was that something, did you have an interest in the practice, I guess, or kind of once you started doing it, there was nothing, nothing there?
1: Uh, no, I, I have an interest in designing. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and like to make things and design things. So, um, you know, definitely, and even, you know, uh, uh even buildings. You know, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Get ideas and want to invent things, and so so there is a passion there to design, um, and then you know just just in different ways. The way one's life ends up being accidentally constructed, <laughs> that there are kind of resources for doing things, I and mean, you know, did, did you did you manage to somehow have the aspiration to have an office that? resources for doing a certain kind of thing, or did you manage to be the sort of person who, you know, was largely doing it with two hands, you know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, so, and one computer. Um, <laughs> right. And so I ended up in the latter category, and, so, and, you know, and I suppose it's because that if you write, you need a certain kind of you know, sanctuary and solitude, and, right. uh, office or something like that would just be the last thing, you know, I would want to do, but then also also trying to kind of, like, without getting fired from academia, (laughs) manage to, you know, shift the tone of the project of what I wanted to do to not, to, to, to fit what I wanted to do.
0: What was that kind of transition like? Of kind of moving from from the office from the studio to academia you know where you were doing them simultaneously for a while and then kind of made that decision um, you know how long how long was long that kind was of that? process
1: Gosh, I'm not entirely
0: sure was it was it maybe, 10, year, maybe oh, okay.
1: 10 years before getting maybe 10 years of mixtures of things <sighs> right and then um, and then having a tenure track job yeah. Then having a tenure track job and then moving to another tenure track job and then eventually getting tenure. Yeah. So but but the but the mixture of practice and little bits of teaching before getting in a tenure track job was probably it was ten I think it was ten years. Okay, okay. It so it was, less, it was it was this less. kind but it was a
0: process. It wasn't like a kind of immediate no. immediate shift. Or do you think, you know, kind of coming back to teaching a little bit, do you think, I'm asking this, this question, I'm projecting, everything you're saying, I'm projecting my own story onto it, so I apologize if this doesn't make any sense at all, but I found that teaching, when I started teaching design, it kind of reignited my interest in graphic design, or allowed me to see it in a way, kind of like what you were talking about before, of, um, how teaching makes you kind of reconsider the craft. Did, when, when you started teaching, did, were you able to find a different way into architecture or that you saw it differently, approaching it as a you know, theorist or educator or writer instead of a uh, designer? Yes. Uh,
1: I wasn't drawing on my training at school, I didn't enjoy my training at school, I didn't didn't nourish anything really, Mm -hmm. Um, but I had um, some work on uh, these larger scale um, settlement formations and then when I got to Parsons and Pratt, I I just started trying to teach, um, or I was assigned to teach things that we were often assigned to teach, and kind of very fundamental courses. Yeah. So um, I, I found those to be really challenging and interesting, and yeah. I learned so much um, trying to figure out how to do it in a way that seemed honest or, or something, and um, then I also meant that in order to have anything more or less to teach, I would have to study and learn right. more than I
0: knew. Right. I guess that's every,
1: you know, every teacher, but in my case, I really didn't. I mean, I, I, I was not like that a PhD or something like that. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I Was not a proper scholar. So.
0: I mean, it, What you're saying is exactly my own experience. This uh, in the fall, the last fall semester, I taught an introduction to typography class, which in, in undergrad, it's sophomore level. Uh, it's kind of after students are done with their foundation. It's basically their first real kind of core graphic design class. And it was the hardest class I've ever taught because it was so it was th- that base thing that I hadn't thought about in ten years. And it and so I felt like I had to restudy all of this. Think about what I could bring to it with my own experience, what I may have missed out on in my own own kind of study. And so I know <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, you find out what you what you care about and, and develop techniques. Yeah. And so on that, no one could teach you. In fact, I'm I'm kind of glad that um, there wasn't some kind of fabulous mentor, you know, who, mm. who, who you know about whom I was completely convinced or something, because then I would have just been. Yeah. It would have not have been any kind of difficult exploration.
0: I'm, I'm interested in how you said that you didn't really enjoy your, your studying architecture. You didn't enjoy um, kind of working in, in the studio. Uh, your career was moving towards towards academia. And this question sounds um, like I'm making some sort of value judgment, and I'm not. Uh, I, 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 I really find this fascinating. What is it about architecture that has in some weird way has sustained your interest for so long you know what you know what I mean
1: yes um, there's plenty about it that is interesting um, and I suppose I, I have felt as if I could make a contribution by you know, seeing the ways in which space, Is is a political poem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then seeing the ways in which it's such a hyperbolic political poem. And so to write about that allowed me to write a kind of footnote in fiction. Oh, I like um, that. But I think you could also argue that I've been wanting out of it for the whole of my life, um, and still do.
0: Well, well, let's let's um, let's talk about that a little bit if it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) if if that's okay, because as I was looking over kind of your your writing and kind of rereading some things and preparing for this conversation, I noticed something that I hadn't noticed before, and it's it's a topic that's come up on this podcast a couple times, and in my own kind of research that I'm doing separately from the podcast, and it's two. I'm I'm going to mention two things. One is that I've started, based on these conversations, a a definition of design that I've found fits the way that I like thinking about and talking about design is uh, ideology-made artifact. And it's, it's kind of taking ways of seeing the world and then building them into physical things, whether that's a building or a sign or a poster or something like that. And I think in reading your work that, there's a through line of some of that, some of that way of looking at, at the world, looking at the built world, um, with a little bit of that kind of lens on it. But then the second thing, and this is potentially the more interesting thing, is that there's this kind of scaling to your subject matter, where I feel like your, your subject matters are getting bigger and bigger, uh, especially um, extra statecraft, which, you know, is you know, about kind of infrastructure in like the very widest sense. Um, and so I don't know if that's a question exactly other than a reading of your work that I'm curious what you think of. But I, I, I almost feel like that, that that scaling or that expansion is a way out of architecture maybe or is, or is a broadening of architecture even. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, certainly a way out of the profession yeah. Of architecture. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I suppose that, I have a friend who said that everybody thinks they are an imposter, but I really do, I, I, mean, I really, really? Do feel like a charlatan. Um, but I don't, but I have the sense that maybe I'm not charlatan with my students if I am suggesting that there's some way in which their unbelievable expertise, their correlative thinking, their ability to shape. Uh, the heavy information system which is urban space is so much more important than the way the profession works. Yes, and,
0: yeah, yeah. And
1: that it has so many other applications um, that are even more, even more practical and financially sustainable and yeah. all the rest of it, yeah. so my, my holding out for something outside of that is, I, I, I you know, maybe, I hope, so something good for them. Um, I don't, uh, ideology made artifact. Um, I, maybe ideas made mm, artifact. But yeah, like, okay. I, yeah, ideology, yeah. I don't, I, or I think also what, like, and this comes from theater, what I sort of have between my hands is uh, action. You know, like, right, action yeah. is more like relationship, action, uh, those things are carriers of information. And it and it's partly in the solids, right. but it's also in the the relationship between the solids and the potentials between them. Um, so I, I guess um, yeah, there there's yeah. certainly ideas that temperaments, dispositions made into solids and in their relationships, actions carry.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, and this is kind of what you talk about in the book, too, actually, and and as soon as you said it, uh, I I think you're exactly right. Um, I really like what you said about, you know, kind of imparting on your students that there are other ways of of working, that you can take these skills uh, that you're learning now to do other things, and that's another theme that's come up again and again in these conversations is how many people I talk to who have studied architecture and then are not doing anything that's remotely how how we would narrowly define architecture and there's something very interesting in those skills that experience that allow people to uh, kind of think about larger ideas and that's something that I think I, I try to do as a teacher also especially thinking about my own undergraduate education which as great as it was, took a very narrow view of graphic design, that you work for clients and you design logos and books and posters, and um, websites were just starting to be a, a thing that was that was taught at that time, but it was um, you're a, a neutral kind of translator of someone's content into some sort of visual form. And my kind of teaching philosophy is, great, we need people to do that stuff, but graphic design can be all this other stuff too and is so much, much bigger than that. And I think I think architecture is the same way and I think um, design uh, has become, this is, this is something that, that Michael Rock has said, design has become this kind of metaphor for how we think about the world. Everything is now designed. Um, does that... That kind of opening up of the profession or redefining of, of the profession, whether it's architecture or design in general, um, change how you approach it or change how you, you know, how your students think about it.
1: Yes, um, we work very hard to try to think of different um, modes of practice. And yeah. Try to. Yeah. Quiet a moment to rehearse those modes of practice Mm. in school, rather than struggling outside. Yeah. Um, And uh, you know, to varying degrees of success. I uh, I mean, I don't don't know how. It takes a long time for some of those habits to change. Yeah. There are you know financial imperatives and uh, debt and all the rest of it that that make it really hard to 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 make some Mm -hmm, of those changes mm -hmm. as much as we would want to. No, there's no there's no question and the other thing in a big university that I'm trying to do is speak not just to designers about this, but to a number of other disciplines and professions. So I teach a university wide lecture course which is saying to um, people in in IR and oh interactive studies and economics and business and yeah. so on that they should be as fluent in spatial practices as they are in econometrics or, or law, right. Right. which is presumed you should be fluent in. You know? yeah. So um, and I, am, I am able to you know, use spatial studies as a way to also show another picture of the world you know, if they're being I taught about a kind of rational man and the nation state and stuff like that. I can, I can fill, yeah. uh, 26 hours and 80 slides. Right. A piece, 80 slides each with an irrational world. Um, um yeah, that is my that. space.
0: That was something I wanted, that was something I was really curious about, especially with your kind of publishing projects and, and your writing, uh, and, and your books specifically is, is, you know your the the audience for the do you do you have a sense of the reader because and, and the reason I ask and, and I'm sorry to kind of preface the question, um, but I'm something that I'm just personally very interested in is design writing that's that can both be interesting to the profession but also people outside of the profession people who are very kind of heavily involved in the discourse but then people who have no kind of connection to the design world. And I, I feel like your your books cross those lines. And it could be that I'm not in architecture, and so maybe I'm not, you know, kind of reading it as an architect, but as a, as a designer, as someone outside of it. Do you have a sense of kind of who reads you? Or, or when you're writing, are you thinking about who this is going to?
1: I've been trying to... Go to increasingly broader and broader yeah. audiences. I don't know how successful I've been, um, um, and uh, you know, cha- altering my voice and, yeah. um, and it's also because you know when you're writing for um, your place in academia to keep your job or something you know, in right. certain ways, yeah. you have to write. Um, but but trying to write for a broader audience and. I've been surprised at who the audience is sometimes. Um, mm. Sometimes not what I would have expected. Or, you know, the extra craft has a um, an audience in the art world. I did yeah. not expect. I just didn't see that coming. Um, I thought that it, it might be more popular amongst urbanists yeah. or people who are thinking about, uh, Po- social science, politics. Um, but yeah, the art, the art world. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Right that's what I mean. That, that book, especially of kind of, you know, all of of your writing, whether it's kind of the essays that you publish or, 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 or the books. That's the one that, to me, seems to pop up in in random places the most. So am I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear you say that. At all.
1: Sometimes just how books are, how who, who publishes them and edits yeah. them and all that, but that, but I think that the the big reason is that it was really, really trying to speak as plain as
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it does. I'm not trying to just, you know, praise you praise that book now, but I, I think it's. It covers a really, it goes back to this idea of scaling or this kind of like bigger and bigger subject matter where it does cover urbanism. I think there's there's some kind of media theory in there. There's some technology kind of uh, uh, discourse in there. And so I think it kind of hits at all these intersections and, and uses infrastructure as this kind of container to hold all of these. So it's... In a lot of ways, I think it's kind of the epitome of what we've been talking about of kind of expanding out these these ideas into different different ways. Was that a was that a conscious decision when you were writing it that you wanted to?
1: The most important chapter in that book for me was the the second one mm. about disposition. Yeah, which I thought was the, that was the, that was really the thing I was trying to communicate.
0: Which mm-hmm. I thought
1: really was something they could communicate to anyone. Um, just a sort of a habit of mind really was, what I, was what I felt most strongly about communicating. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. I, I, I honestly, and, and I was also intending it to be that you would move between evidentiary segments and contemplative mm-hmm. segments, mm-hmm. And, that, and that the reader would enjoy the difference between those two things. One of the things I'm feeling most strongly about with anything I'm writing is, is the structure of it, as a thing that is read, you know, irrespective of content, um, that that this was a kind of, I sometimes said, you know, like a two-part epoxy, you know, know, like what would it be like to have these different kinds of segments? Would it give pleasure to move from one to another, just in terms of tone and voice? um,
0: Do you think that studying kind of hearing you talk about that and kind of talking about guiding the reader, it's, it's reminding me of the beginning of the conversation when we were talking about theater and transitioning into architecture. Do you think that studying architecture or thinking about space and, and urbanism has actually changed how you think about writing? Or, or, or the, your writing process even? Yes,
1: because um, I mean, what, what I have found so difficult to try to Bay, it, to architects who are looking largely at objects. You know, right. I'm trying to like unfocus eyes to look at the matrix in which the objects are suspended.
0: Right, right.
1: And that, I it, 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 noticing how difficult that is for architects. And maybe I'm using architects as kind of a straw man, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think it's difficult. For the whole of culture, so I've learned something by yeah. by working with my funny subjects of of architects, my my right, of right. Which I time supposedly one um, uh, that what we're really bad at, you know, seeing past the object. The rest of the world's also pretty bad at. Um, yeah. And so the that work has given me another. Um, uh, it, it inspires me to work on that kind of content with many other topics besides architecture. Right. So, that kind of unfocusing, um, that kind of sense of the disposition of, of the matrix, temperament, those kinds of things, even when the subject has nothing to do with
0: architecture. Right. Do you, so, you know, this. This podcast kind of started with, with my interest in design criticism and kind of the writing about design and how we talk about graphic design specifically. And, you know, I, I kind of was, was frustrated a little bit that so much of design writing was about the object itself. And, and my interest, or, or at least the kind of design writing that I'm trying to do and that I like to read the most is kind of pulling back from the object a little bit to to look at the conditions about conditions of of how that design was made but then also the world that it was put into Mm -hmm. uh and so i'm i'm curious kind of your thoughts on you know this this term design criticism or architecture criticism and do you have any thoughts on the role that whether it's architecture or design, criticism should serve or, or that you would like to, to see it serve?
1: Um, well, I guess I... I, I mean, there are you know, so-called architecture critics who, um, you know, are very good at kind of convening thought and they're journalists or, you know, whatever. That's one kind of...
0: Yeah.
1: Kind of gonna, um, I guess the critical thinking, which might not come, you know, is uh, I might not be called a critic, but but the, the kind of critical thinking is um, essential uh, to, in my view, to um, the most practical consideration. I don't, s- I don't um, separate them. You know, like I don't right. separate thinking right. Under critical thinking, and I've also, uh, even more recently, been realizing the ways in which my critical thinking and reportage and, and theory about space and urbanism has also been in kind of a safe place unless it is working practically and oh, actually engaged. I, I think. You know, you could say, "Oh well, this person who only wants to practice and make form—they, they—you know—in this sort of so-called post-critical right. thing, which is an absurd term, impossible term." Yeah. Um, uh, but I'm also feeling kind of the flip side of that. Like, is is has my critical writing um, kept me safe? That's interesting from a, from a certain kind of criticality that. Um, Embarrassment that comes from actually propo- making proposals,
0: um,
1: huh. you know. I'm, and, and I'm in no way saying, oh, "No, just leave me alone. I want to make this long. That's not not in that push people. But I, but I also want to um, recognize that there is growth in my own criticality and in the ways people can critique me if mm. I uh, make embarrassing proposals.
0: How do you kind of articulate that in your own work?
1: Well, I don't, I don't, I, I am a designer. Yeah. Um, (laughs) As it turns out, I love design, I have design ideas, I know what I want to do, um, you know. But, uh, but often I'm designing um, through, uh, uh, as a studio critic. Um, right, right. Uh, not not designing students' projects, but I'm. I mean, the ideas I'm getting is design right. so yeah, yeah. You know, in that thing, um, and it's only kind of like once a year or something that I have a kind yeah. of actual thing where I have to make make some kind of form. Right. Um, uh, so well, I, I've just been working on a project for the Biennale, and it has involved my form maker uh-huh. um, I guess I think that um the form maker is a little bit um young you know like little mm. bit you know baby in diapers just <laughs> making the form you know like right. I, right um I worry actually that it's kind of babyish that it hasn't oh interesting that it hasn't had a chance certain parts haven't had a chance to mature as much as yeah yeah as you know or that I'm not discerning enough um but then I, I actually worry about that um, at almost every level. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I would think like so. not being, not, but things not being learned enough or, yeah, or yeah. Um, sophisticated enough.
0: I have a couple, couple more questions just to kind of wrap everything up. But I'm very curious about how you think about all these various activities that you're involved in. You know, like, do you have, uh, like, designated days for each? Like, when you wake up in the morning, are you writing every day? Like, what? how do these things all really kind of fit together on a day-to-day level for you?
1: It's, it's kind of mixed up.
0: Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean that's it, what I would... Uh,
1: if there was a videotape of it, you'd see someone very methodically doing what seems to be the same thing every single day. You know, like, largely, you know a Certain ritual, it, yeah. it, ritualistic in terms of con, you know, mm-hmm, constant mm-hmm. work until cocktail hour. But <laughs> right. The, the, but what's going on, you know, like actually at the desk is just moving all over the place, and yeah. completely distracted, like moving from one thing um, to another, um, like moving across categories and moving yeah, yeah. across of tasks and.
0: Yeah, I mean I asked that question purely selfishly as I feel like my career has has diversified especially in the last two years or so um, and and I, I just I, it was basically because f- I was curious yeah. because I don't know how to I still feel like I'm just jumping from one thing to the next and you seem like you have it mastered you seem like you have a, a, a large output that you must have some sort of way to, to organize it
1: well, I'm <laughs> Yeah. Um, steady worker.
0: Okay. Yeah. That, that that sounds good. <laughs> that's, that's what they say. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the
1: that's the faint <laughs> phrase. for, for someone. That's a, uh, but but um, yeah, I I, I I work I I work pretty hard, I guess. Um, but uh, I mean, I I, I have not have no sense that this is what it should be. Yeah. Or yeah. Doesn't feel like oh you know. Uh, this is well-organized or somehow it's, it's coming to its own about right. like how it should work or something like that. It feels, and especially now, as I'm trying to kind of like fade up the other kind of thing. I feel like a novice um,
0: yeah. all the time. I want I, That was the, the next question that I had about this kind of fading up this other side. A question that I ask everybody that I talk to, and so I'm going to ask you that question, and I'm going to ask you a a different question what I ask everybody is what are the issues or topics or kind of subjects that uh, that you think designers should be talking about today or writing about or what are the kind of critical or theoretical discourses that feel very important for right now and so that's one question and and you don't have to answer that if you don't want because this other question might (laughs) erase the other one Talking about moving away from architecture, moving into, you know, fading up these other things, what what do those other things look like? What are the subjects that you're interested in right now?
1: Well, I guess it goes back to the, the things we were talking about before, where um, what it seems most interesting to me to do is is to be able to focus on disposition. <clears throat>
0: mm-hmm, yeah. To,
1: to be able to focus on matrices, to have that kind of sixth sense about how to reduce violence and tension. It sounds so corny, but how to reduce violence and tension in, um, in our environments of any kind.
0: Right, yeah.
1: So, um, the, what, what the other writing looks like is um, a form, some form of writing that it gives pleasure, not because it's a collection of short stories or a novel or something like that, but it, they are suites of different kinds of narratives. Hmm. Um, hmm. And then the sweets are also, there's more than one suite. Um, so yeah, what I'm experimenting with is how those things can, can give pleasure while also uh, kind of re- refocusing, unfocusing eyes
0: a little bit. And, and, and like subject matter-wise, are, are you kind of exploring other things that you haven't ex- explored before? Or does it, do, do these, I love the way you're talking about this, does it kind of follow the vein of your, no, your career it's, interests? No, it's, just,
1: I mean it's, uh, it's, it's fiction. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So it's, um, oh, this sounds so great. It's, it's it's uh you know it's about all kinds of uh, I mean, it's about people. It's not yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that. Not not focused on. Or, oh, that's so interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so I'm so I'm so curious. Uh, my last question. This is another question that I ask everybody. I'm 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 interested in if there are um, writers or or theorists or books um, that have kind of really shaped just how you think about all of this that we've talked about or, or, or people you know for someone listening to this who's who's kind of intrigued by by these subjects uh, who are those touchstones for you?
1: Well um, in terms of thinkers um, I I treated Gregory Bateson as a mm. kind of brother, or uncle, aunt, <laughs> yeah. uncle, Um Yeah. Uncle. I've also, yeah, another, another kind of funny uncle is uh, Gilbert Ryle. Another another one who I, uh, I yeah, it's another uncle, I guess, uh, <laughs> uh, is um, uh, Ben Mackay. You know, and then there are, um, and I like, little bits of l- a lot of things, you know, um, and yeah. not the whole...
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's good. Uh, the, the the Your three uncles, I thought, were really interesting, and the middle one, Gregory... That name, I, I don't know.
1: Greg Gilbert Ryle is the one.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know who that is.
1: Uh, Gilbert Ryle was someone who was trying to kind of uh, critique... A, a Cartesian mind-body split oh. by thinking about how uh, the mind, how how mind operates, and looking at through looking at it through um, uh, ordinary language theory. Mm.
0: Um, oh, interesting! But just
1: a very sort of frank. I mean, uh, I, he's an odd one, you know. Yeah, um, and someone who doesn't often make it so. Um, Something that often doesn't make it into kind of contemporary bibliographies. Yeah, yeah, uh, I've never heard but of. But I, but I'm really interested in him. I mean, okay,
0: I'll uh, I'll look him up. That sounds yeah. that, that actually sounds really interesting. I mean,
1: interesting. There's, probably, there's probably very good scholarly reasons why he doesn't, you know, why Bruno Latour doesn't, doesn't talk about him even though, right. even though, or or why Gary Basin doesn't talk about him even though they 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 all kind of prefigure each other, but they keep a lid on certain oh, yeah. parts of the
0: bibliography, I guess. This is always my favorite part of these conversations, when, when someone introduces me to someone that I've n- never heard of, but sounds like they're in that constellation of people that I'm interested in. Uh, Keller, this was really, really great for me. Like I said uh, before we started recording, I'm a, I'm a big fan of just your writing, uh, just I just love the way that you write, and your subject matter is something that I'm very deeply interested in. Uh, And so, like I said, you've been someone that I've been wanting to talk to for a while, and I'm just glad that we got to do this and found this just really interesting and and fascinating. I just love the way that you kind of think about all of these things. So thank you so much for this conversation. It was great.
1: Thank you, you're so good for this conversation. Okay, Okay, thank you.
0: This episode was recorded on May 9th, 2018 in New York City. Our theme music is by Andrew Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and at ScratchingTheSurface.fm. Thanks for listening.